What is this thing that we call government? Some people are tempted to snarkily say that it's government, and meant means mind, and so it's mind No, meant is a suffix. We don't have to resort to silly semantic arguments to look seriously at what government is. What is government? And I, as I say that phrase, I'm tempted to, while I have the melody, what is love? In my, I'll stop singing, I promise. But what, what is, what is government? We, we, we use this word over and over again, and it has this massive role in society. I don't think anyone would deny that. And we look at currently the American government or governments around the world, we can point to people and buildings and military equipment and imaginary lines on a map and documents, words on paper or online now. And we can talk about the institution, this concept. Clearly, we're describing something abstract, something more than the sum of its parts. So it's worth asking, what is government? Because we use this term and we debate it so heatedly. And I, and I hear people, you know, I, I hear people in debates all the time using terms, talking past each other. And if simply clarifying definitions would go a really long way. Like, for example, uh, you know, when I say Republican, I mean the red-flavored wing of the American Socialist Party. When I say Democrat, I mean the blue-flavored wing of the American Socialist Party. And people use these terms totally differently. Some people think, well, well Republicans are good people and Democrats are bad people. And they, like, literally define these categories with those terms some would include because they don't actually define these terms. Another one that I think is relevant to, to today's modern political dialogue is, is the definition of, of socialism, right? And, I mean, socialism, let, let's go ahead. I, I didn't have this one pulled up, but let's go ahead and, and look at the – you'll see where I'm going. Let's look at the, the actual uh, Google def, – it's not the de dictionary definition. Who owns dictionaries anymore, right? When we say the dictionary definition, we mean Google now. So you put in socialism to Google – you have a political and economic theory of social organization which, which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. Wow, CJ's on it. There it is. Boom. The Google definition of socialism. Now, <clears throat> we say, Adam, how, how can you say that, that, that both Republicans and, and Democrats are socialists? Well, I mean, it's, it's more fair to call them Marxists because if you look at the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx, you look at the ten planks, we have most of the planks of the Communist Manifesto in effect in America today. Banking, medicine, corporatism, education, and so on and so forth. And these are, these are things that both Democrats and Republicans support. In fact, they will defend social security, which is socialized retirement. We don't call it that because we're against socialism in America, at least rhetorically. So, no, we, but they both support these social policies, excuse me, socialist policies where means of production, distribution, exchange are owned or regulated by the community as a whole. Now, regulated, if you say owned by the community as a whole, that's not really fair, right? Who owns the government? It's corporate sponsors, the bankers. They, they really own things. So to say that we have things owned by the community as a whole 
only in the illusory sense of like, well, roads and government buildings are public facilities and public parks are owned by the community as a whole, but regulated by the community as a whole. Uh, I mean, if you believe that government is of, by, and for the people, then every government regulation of production, distribution, and exchange that we have today is a form of socialism. But again, it's it's really, as is always the case with practical socialism, it's an illusion, right? Because, I mean, even monarchy, in a sense of monarchy, rule by a monarch, is, is kind of an illusion, too, because does, does an individual monarch ever have absolute authority and the ability to control an entire country, or do they have an oligarchy behind them, right? There's always a, a group of elite, a super class in a society that will try, or well, got that way by controlling, manipulating, and exploiting others, which brings us right back to government, to the Wikipedia page for government. This is, this is really important because the word government can kind of be used two ways. Right, we we can we can talk about government in the in the general abstract, like anything that governs, like student body government, like corporate government. But when we talk about governments today, we're we're talking generally about what what, what Google uh, or excuse me, what Wikipedia says here: a government is a system or group of people governing an organized community, often a state, but also other entities, like for example, companies, especially in the case of. Colonial companies. Uh, kind of a weird twist there from Wikipedia. Certainly never an unbiased source as much as it, it tries to be, and, and probably better than anything else on the Internet, serves as a great aggregator of information to understand these things. But in the case of its broad associative definition, government normally consists of legislature, executive, and judiciary. Government is a means by which organizational policies are enforced, as well as a mechanism for determining policy. Now, about that, let's just, this is really critical, a means by which organizational policies are enforced. Now, what if one of those policies is, you can't leave the organization? Then you're not allowed to leave. We have an organization, we're going to force policies on you, and we're not going to allow you to leave. Well, now it's really kind of a prison, right? I mean, it might be an open-air prison, it might be a big prison, it might be a prison where the uh, the inmates have a lot of privileges, but you don't have rights. If you don't have the right to leave an organization, you're, you're, you don't have the right to self-determination, you don't have the right to choose. You're being forced to be a part of that organization. So if that's the case, it doesn't really sound like like an ethical institution, does it, right? Now, in the United States, can you leave? Can you can you leave governments in around the world? Eh, kind of. I mean, at some point, the people in charge of governments realize that if you could give your tax cows... Oh, excuse me, am I jumping ahead to tax? Don't worry, we'll get to taxation. But if you had people who were working for you and working enthusiastically... If you could, I mean, if instead of instead of, you know, forcing your uh, your tax cows to have specific jobs, like in, in, in fully regimented, centrally planned economies, then, you know, uh, uh, well, they're, they're not, they are not work that enthusiastically. If you give your tax cows the illusion of choice in, in how they work or where they work, they're going to be more productive. In fact, if you make your fences of your, of your farm, your tax farm, uh, porous. If, if, if the cows can kind of come and go as they please, 
they're going to be more likely to wander into the slaughterhouse voluntarily and, and pay those taxes. Now, I'm going to jump ahead again on another point here, right? Because a lot of people go, well, Adam, if government is wrong, then, then we must be anarchists, right? You know, we, we, we must, uh, we, we must just say that, that, that we cannot have government. The government is inherently wrong. And, and that's not true either. And, and this is why I'm ready. I'm going to, I'm going to like piss off all my friends in the anarchist community. Yes. Anarchists have an anarchist community. It's like a collective. But anarchist, right. Uh, yeah, so no, I'm, I, I've identified as an anarchist in the past because I was in that reactionary phase of learning that governments are rackets like this and learning that they were responsible for me seeing buddies of mine die in Iraq for lies. So, yeah, there, there's, there's an emotional component to this as well. But every, every you know, anarchist I know uh, is either being dishonest or emotionally driven rather than intellectually driven. Uh, or they're doing this libertarian macho flash. This was a thing in the 80s. Like, I'm so libertarian. I believe that we should end all welfare immediately. I'm so libertarian that I think all drugs should be legal. I'm so libertarian that I'm an anarchist and government shouldn't exist. And you go, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hmm. Hmm. If you're saying that people can't have governments and you're an anarchist, guess what? You're just as bad as the statists. You're a central planner. You're a controller. You you want to deny people the freedom to form voluntary governments that are ethical. So I'm not an anarchist. I'm a voluntarist. I'm a libertarian. I believe that if you're going to have a government, it has to be voluntary. It has to be ethical, right? Now, that's not what we have today. I mean, I guess you could say student body government is a kind of voluntary government. But obviously, that's not what we're talking about. But if you say to me, well, Adam, I'm an anarchist because what you're saying is impossible. There's no such thing as a voluntary government anywhere in the world. It's impossible by definition. Oh, so you're the word police now? I can't use the word government differently because you have assigned your definition to it? That's not really how words work. Sorry, anarchists. But in my case, I can actually provide you an exact immediate example of a voluntary government that, yes, is a territorial uh, monopoly on the use of force, uh, but based entirely on property rights. I'm talking, of course, about my government here in Gardenia, where I am the government, and it's because this is a constitutional propertarian monarchy. Yeah, I own this land, declared it to be sovereign, and said, I'm the king, we are sovereign. Now, technically, we declared the intent, the process is going to be completed on, on July 4th, I know, just a coincidence, next year. But uh, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, I guess, an interim transitionary government here. It's voluntary. I, I protect my property. Uh, I respect the property rights and, and self-ownership of other people. So back to this definition of government. If you're talking about an organization, uh, a means by which organizational policies are, are enforced, well, at the moment those policies are unethical, your entire institution is unethical, right? Because you're saying that we are going to enforce policies that violate individual rights. They're unethical. By definition, that's what makes them unethical is that you're violating someone's self-ownership. So we go, we go now to the history. And this is really awesome. That, like Wikipedia, actually, some, some great contributor to Wikipedia has decided to write a history of government section. 
Now, this is really cool how it starts because this is like exactly what I wrote in the book, Freedom, right? The moment and place that the phenomenon of human government developed is lost in time. However, history does record the formations of early governments about 5,000 years ago. The first small city-states appeared. By the third to second millenniums BC, some of these had developed into larger governed areas. Sumer, ancient Egypt, the Indus Valley Civilization, and the Yellow River Civilization. The development of agriculture and water control projects were a catalyst for the development of governments. On occasion, a chief of a tribe was elected by various rituals or tests of strength to govern his tribe, sometimes with a group of elder tribesmen as a council. The human ability to precisely communicate abstract, learn information allowed humans to become ever more effective at agriculture, and that allowed for ever-increasing population density. David Christian explains how this resulted in states with laws and governments. As farming populations gathered in larger and denser communities, interactions between different groups increased, and the social pressure rose until, in a striking parallel with star formation, new structures suddenly appeared, together with a new level of complexity. Like stars, cities and states reorganized, and energize the smaller objects within their gravitational field. Now, this is a really dangerous view of human history based on modern government propaganda, which would have you believe that governments are just benign and loving, and they only want to control you and force their will on you because they love you so much, and it's, it's all for your own good. So, was it as farming populations gathered that social pressure rose to create governments? I don't think that's really accurate. I mean, if we look at what governments are and what they have become, a more accurate view of, of human history and the formation of governments would be, well, let's put it this way. Why would you want to control other human beings? To serve your own interests, right? I mean, you're not, I'm not trying to control you for your own good. I mean, I guess it's like, if you're if you're a, a cat stuck in a net and I'm uh, I need to control you so you stop flying at me and free you from the net, okay, maybe that's maybe that's one thing. But that's not what governments are doing because they've been around long enough. And guess what? We're still not anywhere near free. So why would people do this? And if you if you really look back not into the history of of written history of governments, but anthropology and and, and sort of a more natural history of, of humankind, what you see is that. Systems of societal organization based on control and exploitation came to rise not when populations got dense. Yeah, there's a coincidence in timing here. But more importantly, when humans became worthy of exploitation. So Christian is correct here to point out the importance of the rise of agriculture, right? Because when human beings are, are basically all hunters and gatherers, What's the point of exploiting someone? What's the point? I mean, yeah, you can you can kill someone if they're competing with you. You can steal from them, but but why try to to govern them, like to control them in an ongoing way? Like, there's no benefit to you if if we're all just dispersed hunter gatherer tribes. But then you go well to the leader of a tribe who wants to I don't know fuck all the women. There's a, well, I can pick up the biggest rock, so I'm in charge now kind of mentality, right? And by the way, most of us got here because at some point, someone in our ancestry said, I can pick up the biggest rock and screw you, 
I want to fuck all the women. Yeah, yeah. People say, say rape and murder are unnatural. No, they're not. They're very natural and a big part of how we all got here, whether you like it or not. Fortunately, we can evolve past nature, right? We can evolve past this concept of government exploitation as well, which is uh, a kind of murder and rape of our freedom, if I may use those words inappropriately, right? So what we have when we look at history uh, of government in an honest way, we see the development of exploitation rackets. And then I go, Adam, Adam, racket? What is a racket? Why are you using this? Well, hey. We got it pulled up on Wikipedia already, and it's racketeering. A racket, according to the current common and most general definition, is an organized criminal act or activity in which the criminal act or activity is some form of substantial business or a way to earn illegal money either regularly or briefly, but repeatedly. A racket is therefore generally a repeated or continuous organized criminal operation or enterprise conducting a racket is racketeering. Now, Back to the concept of government as enforcing its policy, right? If you can't leave, then you go, wow, this is definitely a, a, a criminal organization that is imprisoning you or preventing you from just enjoying basic freedom of movement. But what if it gives you permission in these porous government borders? Well, you can leave, but in the United States, not with more than $10,000. Oh, you can leave. But guess what? We never really uh, respected your property rights. We still don't. If you don't give us a chunk of your money, you can't leave. Your... So it's a prison, the one that you can buy your way out of. Sounds like a regular prison to me. And when you've got people in a prison like the USSA, you can really employ some other dangerous exploitation mechanisms in order to take advantage of and exploit people. So let's, let's so just to this definition of racket, let's pick this apart. Is, is government a racket? Uh, an organized criminal act or activity. Now, is it criminal? Oh, is government criminal? Name a government anywhere on earth today, state-type government, that isn't doing something criminal. And, and it's tempting to say that that makes anything called government criminal by definition, but, you know, that's that's obviously not the case because an exception proves that your definition doesn't hold true as the government of Gardenia proved. But when we talk about an organized criminal act or activity, uh, when we talk about governance, we're, we're talking about taxation. And, and you know, if, if they say that it's legal, that doesn't make it okay, right? I mean, if a government can say, well, we call this taxes, and we call ourselves the government, so it's not that, therefore it's okay. Well, then any band of robbers, as Lysander Spooner would have pointed out, can simply declare their, themselves the government, and then everything they're doing is legal, right? So obviously something, when we're using the, the term legal here to determine whether something is a racket or not, we have to have a different, a different definition of legal rather than, well, government said it's okay, so it must be okay because it's legal. No. We're talking about legal in terms of the natural law, which is based on morality, ethics, self-ownership. If you don't, if you're not familiar, look up the concept natural law. And again, it's wrong to murder, to hit, to steal. All of these things that you know inherently to be wrong are wrong under the natural law, even when they're not wrong or protected by government. You think I'm crazy here? No. 
if you murder an individual, the government will punish you for it, yes. But if you murder an individual with government permission, either in the line of duty as a cop or a soldier or an FBI agent or CIA spy or whatever the case may be, well, no, 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 we say murder is okay in those cases, right? Now, a way, so criminal activity is some form of substantial business. Oh, yes, government is a substantial business or a way to earn illegal money either regularly or briefly but repeatedly. Uh, well, certainly government is a substantial business that is able to make money repeatedly through criminal activity. A racket is therefore generally repeated or continuous organized criminal operation or enterprise conducting a racket is racketeering. That's what every government around the world is doing. Now, Adam, I, I know, uh, you're probably going, Adam, but you, you said taxation. You know, like if, if what about what about taxation is theft? Well. According to Wikipedia, yeah, let's go back to some good sources here. Theft is the taking of another person's property or services without that person's permission or consent with the intent to deprive the rightful owner of it. Reminds me of what I think of liberals, right? You're all about consent until it comes to taxes and vaccines. Well, I don't consent to giving you a portion of my labor, my income, and for the average working American today, it's 50%. When you add it all up, yes, the average working American is working for government half the year. It's not just the taxes they take out of your paycheck. They want you to think that's all you're paying, but, you know, sales taxes, all the manufacturing costs that are that are taxes that are included in your costs, your prices when you pay for things, all of the fees, fines, other regulations that lead you to paying more. Yeah, you're working for government about half the year. Did you consent to that? I didn't. Social contracts? <laughs> As Lysander would also say, social contract, I didn't sign shit. And here's the thing. If you say, well, there's a contract, well, you don't get to force a contract on someone. I can't write up a contract and put your name on it and say, look, see, there's a contract. You have to abide by the contract. No, that doesn't work. Which gets us back to, you know, just using honest language. And I've said this a number of times, and I... And I think it's extremely important to repeat in order to get past this illusion of what today's governments want you to think that they are. The Dalai Lama was asked, what was the first thing you would do if you were president? And he said, I would start calling things by their real names. Well, here's how I would start. Police are criminals. War is murder. Taxation is theft, and government, as we know it today, until it transitions to something voluntary, which we can make it do. How? Opt out, localize, declare your independence as an individual, as a community. Anything you can do as an agorist, that is to materially withdraw your support of government, to withdraw your consent from everything that they have fooled you into giving it for. We can end this racket. Government is a racket. For how long? It's up to you. And today is Wednesday, August 19, 2020. Welcome to Adam versus the Man. Thank you so much for joining us. Man, I didn't think it would take me half an hour to explain that government is a racket, but we had that as a request from one of our longtime sports fans in San Diego, California. Show. So shout out to you, sir. Thank you for the inspiration today. I hope you enjoyed that extra examination 
of what government is. Let's get CJ and comment Jim Freedom up on stage here to, to, to open the show properly today. Jim. How you doing? And you're in Phoenix again today. Where are where are you? What's this what's this set? Uh I'm in my van. I just threw a blanket up behind me for, you know, whatever purposes. Half- Make it feel like a studio. Halfway, you know, yeah. <laughs> All right. Any good comments so far this morning? What is there anybody who wants to argue with me about government being a racket, or at least to our audience? Is that just such an overwhelming truth at this point? Uh, nobody arguing against that specifically. I don't. I don't believe. What, what are you about Where's to say? Scott? Go ahead. Oh man! You, you know, I, I, all right. I'm not comment CJ, but I can see the comments. And I tell you what, man, people. First and foremost, if you're watching on Facebook, stop. Go watch it on YouTube. The comment threads are going way better. Facebook is way more manipulative. You really think Facebook's going to let a message like Adam versus the man be beating the algorithms? I mean, we're barely beating YouTube. Um, We have a ton of stuff going on over on YouTube that's showing analytics that Facebook will just never get to. So when somebody comes in and is like, oh, wow, nobody's watching on Facebook, I go, duh. I mean, it, it, Facebook is a dying platform for speaking out against the leftist narrative of government. Um, so it's just really crazy to me that people would put faith in, in that platform as being one that's going to get this show's message out. I mean, you can show all the numbers and analytics of followings and, and this, that, and the other, but, I mean, go over to YouTube. It's Facebook. I mean, I love Gus in the in the comments, even though Gus <laughs> might be, uh, be uh, you know, a little bit harsh to somebody sometimes, or some people sometimes, but I'm telling you, you know, when you, it's undisputable what we're, we're experiencing on YouTube. So stop sitting there on Facebook. It's just... What are you doing? Why? Why are, why? why are you there? Like, it's you that's on Facebook watching this commenting. I can, I can explain this, Adam. He's being triggered right now by I'm Logan not, McCall. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not triggered. Make well, no mistake. Okay. I'm not triggered by it. I'm. I'm more or less annoyed by the logic of some commenters and their inability to think for, critically for themselves. I think that would be the best way to phrase that. Well, okay, whatever. Anyways, Adam, what he's talking about is Logan McCullough. He's watching on Facebook, and he's being sarcastic, saying, uh, did we hit double digits yesterday? Oh, there's nine people watching. That's nine people watching on Facebook. We're streaming on five platforms, you know, so he's just... we tell people to get off Facebook. That's a good... I'm just saying, go over to YouTube. The comments are a lot better. The people are a lot better. I mean, uh, generally speaking, but again, I, I, I watch, I, you know, I, what I like to do is I like to go back through the comments after the fact and read them after we post our clips for the day and see kind of where it puts the comment threads, and you do get some pretty good feedback. You get some people that are triggered, as Jim would say, uh, and, and but those are the people that I go, okay, so we're on point, we're over target, we're, we're discussing issues that are at least engaging people. So, I mean, again, if you're watching on Facebook, stop. Just, just, I'm telling you, just go subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's where it's at. So here's a YouTube comment for you by Average Guy. He says, Adam for King, 
And then he says in parentheses, no more ridiculous than what's going on now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe that should be our new campaign to, for, for Adam versus the man. Adam Kokesh for king. Kokesh for king. Which is, yeah, that's, that's the new campaign. The thing is, um, this, it's, it's a very important election that we're having here in the constitutional propertarian monarchy of the Garden of Freedom. Um, and, you know, it really doesn't matter who votes. It matters who counts the votes. And um, I count the votes. So, and, and actually, I'm the only, me and, me and my wife here, I think we're the only ones who are allowed to vote. So um, I, I guess if you want to lobby us um, and make a campaign out of this Kokesh for King, uh, I think that would be a very, uh, that, that would be uh, a, 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 a political <laughs> campaign as, uh, I mean, certainly a lot more productive and worthwhile than campaigning for any of the uh, duopoly candidates out there. Um, CJ, though, speaking of triggered, you saw some numbers that... Yeah, yeah okay, okay, this might be more appropriate to say I'm triggered by, because we can agree, Adam, uh, just a quick test to make sure I, nothing's changed. One plus one is... Anybody? Two. Two, two plus two is... Four. Okay, so... So yeah, can, no, no. When, when people are gaslighting you like government is today, well, CJ, I'm sorry to interrupt on this one point, but yeah, you're making a dumb joke, but it's actually a very important point that that when when we really when people are trying to get you to believe that one plus one is three and Corona's a real threat that justifies giving up your rights, you go, you know what? Let me check with some other people who I'm pretty sure are sane. And it's like I, I, kind of a big part of what we I, did you see that? Did you see that? Are you? He's lying, right? That's bullshit, right? You go, yeah, and I mean, because you it gives you the necessary confidence to go. I'm not the crazy one. You guys are fucking assholes, and you need to stop. I mean, you're not wrong, Adam. So yeah, I got triggered because I I, I get the back office view of our YouTube analytics, and I can tell you what it is, and with, with your permission, I'll display it all and just be open with everybody about it, but. You know, over the last, we're going to go 90 days, because I think it's fair to say we're past 90 days now with the show. Uh, we have we have analytics that can prove that we have a unique viewership of 6.3 million viewers. Uh, and again, we're up subscribers. I can go to the engagement and show watch time, our reach of over 44.4 million impressions with views seven, and this is over the last 90 days, the views over 7.7 million. But when you get to their revenue, you go, well, what are these, what is this based on? And we discussed RPMs, which again is how many, how much money you make per clicks, right? And, and per, per thousand views. Now, if you look back the 90 days, our peak RPM was $10.17. And it, it then drops to 13. And this is such an arbitrary number, but how you make money is directly based on this number. And as you can see, it piddles out and it starts going down on average to where we're making six cents. Now, I did the math, and over the last 90 days, we should have made, if we stayed at the average, we should have made about $70,000 based off of YouTube's own definition of how they pay per thousand views. That's a huge, huge difference between, and, and that, R, that RPM number is so arbitrary that I'm wondering how it's based, like how do they drop us from 
1077 per thousand views, which if you put it at our max for 7 million views, you're talking a lot of money over the last 90 days. But now we're sitting here at 0.8, and you're Brian Webb. Sorry, he gets, the gets the, he gets the interruption with the $20 oh, no, super for chat. For sure. Interrupt away. The show is yours, Brian. Brian Webb, appreciate it. File a DBA as nobody, then run as nobody for president. <laughs> I'd rather I, – why, why run for president when you can just declare yourself king? I'm not going to argue with that logic either. But again, Adam, but do you see where it's, again, not triggered necessarily, but actually with a legitimate complaint to YouTube to say, hold up, wait a minute, you can arbitrarily inflate this number and determine exactly how much money we make. So when our numbers go on the rise, you knock it down, and we have maintained a consistent average dollar amount per month that has not gone up with the viewership and the subscribers that have gone up in the videos after the fact. So... Again, it's a legitimate complaint. I can prove math all day, and I'm kind of curious as to how YouTube gets away with this racketeering because they can arbitrarily inflate that number to whatever they want, but here's the trick. They're still getting ad revenue, so they're taking it away from you and giving it to them. So they're still making that money off of advertising and giving you less and less breadcrumbs instead of the whole meal of what you're earning. Yeah, it's, it, it's a legitimate legal complaint. Like we're putting out content that, per their rules, should have put us into well into an earning at this point, earned, and and they can arbitrarily deflate our clicks, our, our rates per milli, our thousand per thousand views, and now all of a sudden, where one day we can be at ten seventy seven per thousand views. And then they go, whoa, wait a minute, no, 0 .08, 8 cents uh, per million or per thousand views, and now we're only making, you know, minimal pennies on the dollar. So like shit, it, we didn't mean to pay them that. Yeah, I mean, again, so we can prove these. We, I can prove it with YouTube's own analytics, and so it makes again the bigger question is, is how do you actually correct it? Because it's racketeering. It's it, it's not just. It's not just, it's YouTube's government committing a racket off of this show and profiting. Well, I, I, I would say it's more of a fraud. I mean, if you look at the actual crime, it's you do this, you get us these views, we'll run ads on your video, and we'll give you a certain portion of the revenue under these terms. And then they violate those terms and engage in deliberately deceptive, manipulative business practices in order to commit a fraud against content creators like us, in order to rip us off, right? I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I mean, I just, I just want to be precise about, like, what is the crime being committed by YouTube here? Like, um, and they're all, because it's so easy to extrapolate and go, well, it's Google, well, it's Alphabet, well, it's Clinton supporters, well, it's government supporters, and you know, to what extent it's it's that versus, you know, government went to them and put a gun to their head and said, do this because you're a threat to our racket. And if you tell if you if you help people tell the truth. And I, I mean, I'll just I, I kind of want to end this segment on, on this note. And if you have anything else to say, CJ, that, that we're missing, like, you know, please 
included here. But uh, I've looked into this a number of times, and there there have been attempts at lawsuits against YouTube, Google, Alphabet, or things like this. And I'm willing to file a lawsuit against YouTube and organize protests for the publicity of it, not with the goal of legally winning necessarily, although that would be nice, because, hey, $70,000 this last month? What do you think that adds up to over the course of 80-something? Three months, sorry. What do you think that adds up to over the course of, you know, 80 million years over my, or excuse me, 80 80 million years? No, (laughs) we're not talking about uh, the the history of the dinosaurs. No, uh, 80 million-plus views on my YouTube channel, and... uh, you know, what is it now, uh, 10, no, 12 years of, uh, of consistent production on there? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've had a year with, with less than a million views in that entire time. And, yeah, it's uh, if, if a lawyer I, – I, I mean, I need, we need the organizational support to pull this off. And I know that if I wanted to, I could do the research, I could file the motions, I could file the suit, I could do it all myself. But hey, then I'm then I'm off message. I'm not I'm not talking freedom anymore. And I just want to put this out there that if there is a demand, and I know other people have seen these problems with other creators, and and it really is if you're just paying attention, you can see how internet censorship has really Squash the potential of the internet to enlighten humanity the way that it has the potential to right now, and that's that's a, that's a pretty motivating tragedy. If you're a lawyer, you want to take up this case, you want to bring it to the attention. You know a lawyer who might take this case. If you're in the audience and you go, "Hey, I know someone. Let me let me talk to them. Have them send me an email. Adam at the Freedom Line dot com." Um, there was one successful protest at YouTube headquarters where a woman who had been demonetized went in and shot a bunch of people and herself. They called it a shooting, but I think it was a protest over how badly she was being treated by YouTube. And, uh, yeah, obviously I'm being a little facetious here. Uh, but it didn't change the policy. They just upped security. Uh, but if we got a protest outside YouTube headquarters, I'll do it. I'll drive out there. I'll, I think that would be a righteous cause. We got the bus. We'll park out and camp out. Well, one thing, well, I mean, when you're talking, you know, 70, you know, almost $73,000 in 90 days robbed per YouTube's own, you know, breakdown. And, and that's on it. And I'm being conservative with that number because their max was 1070. They had us just at $10.70 per thousand clicks like they had on one day. You're, you're blowing out. You'd have the digital studio freedom. You'd have a, you'd be able to hire a staff. You'd be, you're talking they're interfering with, with not just your business model, but actual people's lives. Think about independent journalists that are trying to make it on YouTube that they could see this. Like, well, what is getting 44 million views in 90 days actually gets you? $1,524 in 28 cents if YouTube doesn't like what you have to say. I mean, I, I go one step further in the consequences here, CJ. I'm, I'm glad that you point out the potential loss, but it's worse than that. If you go back in my history with YouTube to 2013, I was making 2 million views a month consistently and getting $6,000 pretty consistently. And that was three dollars per thousand views RPM, right? And that was uh, that was fair. That was what they were saying. They were paying people, and then Google bought YouTube, 
and pretty much overnight, my revenue got cut by two-thirds. This yeah, is this, right is, this is your reach over a lifetime with 160 million point four impressions and 87.3 million views over your lifetime on YouTube. Yeah. 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 So there was a, there was this point in 2013 when we had, we had the studio in Virginia, and uh, I had I had, we had a five bedroom house where we were doing this. I had uh, interns that were partially paid, and uh, when that happened, I just I was forced to downsize, and and partly out of that frustration, I, mean, I was this was right around the shotgun incident. And I think a lot of it was demonetization due to that. You know, people uh, flagging stuff and YouTube either intentionally suppressing our content, specifically singling it out, or just kind of going along with the political manipulation of the flagging system. I mean, the flagging system is basically set up, as as I understand it, it might be changed now, but um, if something is politically unpopular, you can flag it out of existence. Or you can, I mean, literally, you can have it pulled. But you could also you could just flag it out of monetization. You can flag it out of circulation and being promoted on YouTube. And so YouTube is basically a tool of the status quo, maintaining the establishment power by saying anything that's un- we, we 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 just set up a system that allows people to complain. Oh, the effect of it is that uh, anything that's politically unpopular gets buried. Whoops, we didn't know that that was going to happen. Yeah, right. So. There's yeah, there's there's a lot of tragedy uh, around this, and I think of that shooter, and I and I wish I could remember her name. It was a it was an Arab woman um, who shot up YouTube headquarters. But how many businesses you know failed because they became dependent on on YouTube or some other social media site, and then you know just got manipulated out of viability. And what this makes me think of you know CJ, there, there's a bigger takeaway here. And it's just kind of a sad reality that we're in of the tyranny of wealth. And I shouldn't say it's the tyranny of wealth, but really the tyranny of unjust wealth. Basically, nothing happens in America today without the consent and support of rich people. Is that fair? Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you on that either. 100%. And who's rich? And there are a handful of rich people in America who are entirely just and righteous and how they became rich by their own actions by themselves. But even them, they wouldn't be as rich as they are without corporatism, without intellectual property and all the other government favors that create concentrations of wealth and power and the government forced fiat currency system, obviously. So, yeah, like you want to have a, you want to have a media show. I mean, as long as you depend on social media platforms owned by these interests, you know, it, it's a, it, you can't. It's, I don't want to say you can't because I always have the fantasy that my show, my content is going to be so goddamn compelling that people will seek it out. And as long as we manage to broadcast live on the Internet two hours a day, five days a week, people will tune in because this is the essential message that is being kept from you. It's a nice fantasy. And even if my content were that compelling, it is to me, it is to Jim, it is to CJ, it is to a lot of people watching right now, but even then, what are we up against? What if you are one of the people who find it so compelling, but then 
one day it just doesn't show up in your YouTube feed and something else does and you're distracted and then you forget, oh, well, I thought Adam versus the man stopped brought. This is do, and you know what? This is one thing that genuinely pisses me off more than anything else that I hear from the audience is, oh, I didn't know you were doing Adam versus the man. I haven't seen it anywhere. Oh. Yeah, and now we can't even get a functional email service. I mean, we're actually on this regular schedule. We have incredible guests that we get lined up with Marcus. We have we have dedicated our, at least two hours plus a day to breaking down content with the libertarian voluntarist mindset and and being that source for information and and that outlet. And to what extent has it benefited? Who? I mean, I'm sure it's benefited candidates and it's benefited our guests. It's benefited people that are engaging in our comments and, and supporting us through Patreon, which, by the way, is a great plug for our Patreon before we get into uh, it too far. But, you know, when we put in all this work and we're sitting here having this conversation about social media censorship, which, again, another uh, great conversation we'll have today with our guest, Miko Hayes, is that, uh, you know, this is the outcome of a social media censorship agenda, and voices like yourself that are going to question government narrative are not going to be given top dollar. I've said this this morning. You're going to have to get the ominous, dominus touch of government and corporations that prop them up in order to actually make a living on their platforms. So... So hey, CJ, before we before we get to our guest, uh, Miko, he's looking forward to this in about ten minutes here. <clears throat> While I've got you guys on screen, I got a few sort of administrative stories I want to cover. First, we've got on uh, Twitter.com slash Adam Kokesh. If you were on the Libertarian Follow Train last weekend, I meant to mention this yesterday. Thank you so much. We got to one thousand plus retweets, and right now on my computer. Twitter is telling me 1K retweets and comments and and uh, not giving me the uh, specific breakdown. Okay, so we've got 1,000 with comments and without comments. I can see that we have 1,059 retweets on this tweet. That's fucking amazing. And it's funny, after it hit 1,000, we saw a surge. It got, started going faster for a minute. Oh, like that gives us more credibility. But we're going to be doing this again in a few days. If you're on Twitter, follow me at Adam Cokes. By the way, with all this fun, friendly connections uh, I, I've been having on Twitter, my follower count is going down. And I'm like, well, well uh, how, how does that happen? Because I'm, I'm getting way more, I'm more active on Twitter than ever before. I'm getting more engagement than ever before. And somehow my following is going down. Down. I, I, if I was being paranoid, I would think that, that, that Twitter was a major corporation being supported by the American government in order to give Donald Trump a platform and have an outsized influence on the American conversation. Wait, no, that's me being normal. Being paranoid, I would say that maybe someone has, has given me uh, you know a, a couple thousand fake followers that they can withdraw at any time to give me the false impression that... Oh, Adam, if you say something positive at all, even if you're critical uh, overall uh, in, in about Black Lives Matter, then you're going to lose followers. You know, I mean, it, it's shit like that. I just have to come to the conclusion, nothing on the Internet is real. 
You know, that's kind of Ernie Hancock's line, throwing his hands up in the air. But you really do have to question everything, including and especially the numbers on social media. Now, CJ, speaking of social media experiments, yesterday you and I shared this weird video that uh, that Kim shared with us. Pool party saw Wuhan. Saw Wuhan. I feel like I, I could say that in, in a very th- – I feel like any – any Chinese phrase that I know how to pronounce properly, if I say it, like, with the right intonation, I can make it really, really angry and evil-sounding. But, no, so we got we, we got almost no engagement on this. And Paul A. Hill wrote, where's the mission accomplished banner? And I just said, ha, oh, I hope you caught Adam versus the man today to understand why I share this. And then Cody Mount, does this count as proof we are being played over here when it comes to the virus? It's like, wait a second, hold on a second. I'm on Facebook, where I have 4,565 friends. And let's see, what does it say my follower count here? I'm followed by now. Wow, it's up to 26,193 people. You think those people are seeing my posts in their feed on Facebook? Fuck No. I mean, we post the video clips, you know, like yesterday. Great interview with Mercedes Damratowski. What did it get? Four likes, zero shares, zero comments. The federal government could have cameras in your backyard right now. One comment, one share. One share for the Thailand video. Um, I guess if you put fucking stupid in the title... You'll get three comments and three shares with half of Americans wanting to accept Corona vaccine. Other half is fucking stupid. And I'm just like, real, you know, you know that Facebook is corrupt. You know, and, and so like I, the, the other takeaway from this is to be a conscientious consumer of information. Don't trust your stream. Don't trust your feed. Look for engagement. Seek people out. Now, maybe it's a little different for me. Like, when I'm on Twitter, I don't go to... Well, I mean, it's like, who, Twitter Twitter has an inherent advantage, right? Because, well, even Twitter manipulates their feed, right? But I, I have enough stuff I can look at my at mentions on Twitter and, and still not keep up with everything. So, there's there's just... It's, it's fuckery left, right, and center all around on the Internet. And, CJ, this is the, the, the other story I wanted to discuss while I got you on the air here from France24.com. And, and we're doing all this navel-gazing media, social media conversation, which is a great setup for our guest, Miko, today. But Google rallies YouTubers against Australian news payment plan. Google has urged YouTubers around the world to complain to Australian authorities as it ratchets up its campaign against a plan to force digital giants to pay for news content. Now, this is kind of a corporate wrangling story that obviously involves government. And the story, the sort of background on this paying for news content is based on this idea that some people are trying to use against social media websites, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, the big ones especially, etc. 
where and it's news organizations that are doing this. It's you know we've heard this I think from New York Times, Washington Post, and they're complaining that Facebook is able to make money from you sharing their content, right? Like if I share a New York Times story on Facebook, I don't. Then YouTube or Facebook can still put ads on my page next to someone looking at that story, and New York Times is going, hey, we should get that revenue. And the answer is no, neither of you should get that revenue. Both of your businesses are fundamentally dishonest. But uh, this is happening with YouTube as well. And so, back to the story, alongside pop-ups warning, quote, the way Aussies use Google is at risk. Should I do that The way Aussies use Google is at risk, which began appearing for Australian Google users on Monday. The tech titan also urged YouTube creators worldwide to complain to the nation's consumer watchdog, quote, the YouTube you love and know is at risk in Australia. The company tweeted from its YouTube creators account. It's an American company, but I assume when they're tweeting to Australians, they do it with an Australian accent. Uh, this was Monday, also encouraging those outside of Australia to email their concerns to the body behind the plan. The landmark measures would include fines worth millions of dollars for noncompliance, would enforce transparency around the closely guarded algorithms which tech firms use to rank content. YouTube's boss in the region, Guatam Anand, following a similar letter from the managing director of Google in Australia, wrote a message to the platform's creators and artists. As Anand said, quote, My primary focus is supporting you and your work to build a thriving creator ecosystem. Oh, my God! Really, Guatam? Gautam, Anand, Mr. Anand, go fuck yourself. This hypocrisy is so ridiculously transparent. You don't give a fuck about your creators. You have come to do nothing but exploit and take advantage of us and lie to us and commit fraud against us and every user of the platform. When you say, hey, you subscribe to this channel and we'll show you their content in your feed, and then you show them ads and corporate media, yeah, you're not just committing a fraud, you're really committing a crime against humanity in stifling the potential of the Internet and our potential to bring humanity together. And YouTube was such a positive force. And in, in a way, it still is an, an undeniably positive force for humanity. But why would we go along? Why would we support this exploitation? And it's, I mean, I am genuinely heartbroken. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, being married to a woman who sold her soul to the devil, and you go, I, I don't know what to do now. Like, I, I love this woman. It was, we had an amazing relationship. YouTube helped build my brand. I even made money at one point from YouTube. I think at this point we could say, it's fair to say, that if YouTube was our own source of revenue, we'd be losing money on this show. Uh, yeah. The proposal would create an uneven playing field and allow big news businesses to demand larger shares of money from the platform, taking funds away from smaller creators. That's what your fucking policy has been this entire time to favor your established creators and artists, your favorite news outlets, outlets. Your censorship of anybody who's not an officially approved media outlet for talking about 
the virus, which shall not be named. I mean, CJ, how many boxes do you have to check every show for YouTube community guidelines? You're going to trigger me if I have to. So for today's example, um, let me just get this one out. Fuck YouTube. You've already said it, so now i got to click that box. Coronavirus, got to check that box. Uh, Black Lives Matter, got to check that box. Uh, Sensitive topics involving marginalized groups of people, got to check that box. Uh, You know, uh, domestic 9-11 was an inside job, got to check that box now. You know, these are all things that, that, you know, that I have to go through and if, and I have to keep track of. Well, did Adam say fuck today? Did did uh, did we discuss coronavirus today? And you know, I found out what the coronavirus one is. If you just say the word coronavirus and you have to click that link, they then have to put up the link to the official government narrative uh, for coronavirus. So, you know, again, it, it, these are all things that I do. Uh, for every single clip that we make, every single live show that we put out. I have to do that as well as every YouTube content creator. So I figure it takes, you know, roughly about two minutes to go through if you're good at it uh, to monetize a video, maybe less. And if you do that for every video, now add up all that time over the year, just checking off the censorship boxes. That's what I call them. And it determines directly your ad revenue. So back to the story for a second. News media worldwide have suffered in the digital economy where big tech firms overwhelmingly capture advertising revenue. The crisis has been exacerbated by the coronavirus-triggered economic collapse. That's uh, that's, uh, that's not really honest journalism there. Coronavirus-triggered economic collapse. So government response to the coronavirus-triggered economic collapse would be a lot more accurate, obviously. With dozens of Australian newspapers closed and hundreds of journalists sacked in recent months. Now, this is an important thing to keep track of in the era of coronaphobia, that the consolidation of media power, that the death of old journalism is being accelerated. Now, this has to be compensated for by the rise of new journalism. And I'm, I'm torn here. You know, I don't know what the answer is for America, for humanity, to say to YouTube, hey, you know what? We don't need you. You're, yeah, you have the greatest library on earth. Please keep it up. We can rip all the important content and post it somewhere else. We can do it on a blockchain. We don't need your servers now. We don't, we don't need any of that. And we're gonna, we're just gonna go to somewhere else. We're gonna live stream. AdamVersusTheMan.com will host their own video content, you know, natively, organically. But then you lose, excuse me, all of the benefit that people have bought into with modern social media. And so I don't know. Do we fight YouTube or do we do what buttons Adam, Adam, I got to tell you, we, we in the beginning of this show, we said we wanted to get to a point where we would not be dependent on the big three platforms in any way, shape, or form. And, Going down that rabbit hole, that black hole of trying to get away from the tit of the social media tech giants, it's impossible to get away from Google. There are apps and plugins and things of that nature that you you couldn't get any views if you're not plugged into at least one of the three and have that ominous, dominous touch from government. It's just not possible. Well, there, there is one alternative, CJ, and this is what I am committed to. Because I am going to keep speaking this message every day 
as long as there is a loving, enthusiastic, supportive audience behind us. And that's really the ultimate way around all of this to make my fantasy come true. It, it depends on everybody watching this to understand what we're up against and how much we need your help and your support. And it's in three areas. One, help and make the show better, right? Give me that feedback. Call in when we ask for callers. Send us stories. Send me, you know, one of the things that I've been missing lately is the, the really touching personal email that I used to get to share on the air from how much this show has, has helped people in their lives, helping them with this information and this perspective. And, uh, you know, the, the next one is with monetary support, and that's through patreon.com slash Adam versus the man. Uh, pretty confident, actually, and this is an alternative revenue system, except that we're not making that much money yet. It's kind of a lagging indicator. You can join for one, five, or ten dollars, or fifty dollars a month. Ten's where it's at. Join the producers club. Then you get on our Telegram group, and you can be a part of the daily conversation prepping for the show every single day. And the other one, and this is really just as important, and I'm not seeing it, you know, how many people listening right now are on Facebook and are not sharing our videos there? we got to share these videos where people are in order to change their habits to get them somewhere else. And I hope that everybody watching can change your own habits, your own engagement, and be a little more conscientious, especially of how you spend your time and attention and, and, and your money online, but also to be the active and engaged supportive audience sharing this content that we need to compete when this is everything that we're up against. So without further ado, this is a great setup, and now we've kept our guests waiting for five minutes. Do we have Miko Hayes backstage, CJ? Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Miko Hayes. All right. Hey, Miko, thanks for joining us today. Miko's an independent journalist, founder of The Daily Hayes, which was, I know, shocking, right? Deleted by Facebook after reaching nearly 60,000 organic followers. He is now the founder of Discuss Global. You can find his website at discussglobal.com. Miko, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm I'm great. Despite all of this bitching and navel gazing with censorship and what we're up and how tempting it is to throw our hands up in the air. Uh you know, as much as I have to complain about, I don't know, would, would I rather have been deleted than shadow banned? I, you sound a bit like a broken man. How are you doing? This is before we get into the material of this topic, I want to kind of check in with you emotionally. You know, like as a content creator who's been stifled unfairly, that's got to suck, no? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it does. Laugh. It, 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 well, it came at a bad, bad time, too. Um, see, I don't know. Yeah, we lost the page that had. Uh, just right around 60,000 organic. I never gave Facebook any money. Um, and then a month after they deactivated the page, all the admins got a 30-day ban for the profile picture, which was the logo. Um, then I got my main profile disabled, which had right around 20,000 followers um, in the middle of a live stream. 
about a a corrupt district attorney. Like, literally in the middle of the live stream, they stopped my stream and disabled my account and my alt account. Uh, Well, I hope you learned your lesson to never expose corruption in government again. Yeah. Yeah, I sure did. (laughs) Um. But the shitty thing is, is that came after Standing Rock. So, I mean, honestly, that's a weird question. That's a good question because it does, it does fuck you up. Um, I was also in Standing Rock at a while, for a while there, and people that, uh, I've talked to a lot of people that feel the same way. Like, to watch such a big movement just fall apart from some of their higher-ups backstabbing them, lying to the people, having these backdoor deals and shit. And to just watch something that you've never seen before fall apart was super defeating. And then after that, you completely lose your platform. So, you know, it, it definitely merging the two together was kind of a, well, why the fuck are we trying this? <laughs> like, yeah, know, I mean, it. it's definitely a defeating feeling, but also at the same time, I mean, it's a free platform, and it's not protected any, under any sort of First Amendment. So, well, hold, hold on, hold on. Before okay, now you're raising a whole other topic, and I and I, I want to get to this too because you know there's there's this common you know refrain when we complain about censorship. People, the government apologists say, well, that's a private platform; they can censor whoever they want. Well, not under American corporatism, they're not. Not when I'm being taxed to subsidize things that profit them. And it's not, oh, the First Amendment needs to apply, but that, you know, like we talked about earlier on the show today, in, in my case, I can very confidently say that YouTube is committing a fraud against me. They have the right to censor me. They have the right to kick me off the platform. But you do not have a right to deceive somebody else in order to materially exploit them. And that's what's going on. You say this is a free platform, and it's great to be appreciative and say, look, this is free, but you've heard this about Facebook, right? If the if, if the product is free for you, maybe you're the product, and it's your attention that's being sold and manipulated. And if you want to look back at like the, the history of how much freedom did we have as independent media on the Internet, there was kind of a, a golden era that seems to have passed now. Like this whole thing was a fraud. Oh, look, let's get everybody hooked on this. And then steer it in another direction. But before we get into any of that, because I do want to hear your take on, on all of those issues that, that are raised in that. But I, the, the emotional aspect of this, I think, is, is – I didn't expect to go this way with it. But I think it really is under-discussed. Because it's not just, hey, you got censored. This You are now cut off from your audience. It's you're, – you're psychologically, emotionally damaged. And I'm happy to admit this, like that I have felt a lot of ongoing personal negative emotions as a result of the overwhelming frustration and uh, I've experienced in the way that I've been victimized as a content creator that has led me. And, you know, I, I'm at a good point now where I'm saying, you know what, fuck it all. I'm going to produce consistent content in my voice to my message that I love, that I know my audience appreciates. But I've been manipulated before where, hey, videos that do this get more views. Videos that don't include this don't get censored. You should change your content, and then you'll be more successful. You had a movement specifically in front of you fall apart. It's got to hurt. 
what are the bigger effects of that? Um, you know, honestly, there there's like depression, anxiety, shit like that. I mean, that honestly comes from. But you know, it's weird though because I don't. I don't know. I've kind of I've noticed it with a good chunk of journalists, and then especially like the independent journalist side. And then you get over to like the crossover because I didn't just do articles and like sit down stuff. Like since Ferguson, I'd been out like live streaming and shit in the actual streets, um, you know, dancing with the tear gas, all that. And I kind of like Ford Fisher. Um, I'm yeah. not, uh, Ford, I, I can see it with him. Um, you know, Revolutionary Z, John Ziegler, I've seen it with him. It's almost like independent journalists are already just this thing, this entity that isn't a person. You know, people forget that they have emotions and they have opinions and they're not supposed to ever say anything along those lines. But then you get into the live streaming side and it's almost like they become more of just a object. Like... Like, even a level below where it's just not recognized that maybe this person is a human being and eats food and takes shits and, you know. Um, and Maybe we should just, make more videos like that. Well, and I, I get it, though, because, I mean, it's through a screen. It's hard to make that connection and remember that, you know, you're not just looking at a screen. You're looking at a person. Yeah, there's a, there's a celebrity effect for anyone on the Internet appearing that you only connect with over video. That oh, yeah. we had sort of from general celebrity culture of, oh, they're a public figure. I can say whatever I want about them. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't read YouTube comments. Like, but one thing, like, also, I've I've been uh, debunking Q shit for a while. So I get, like, the real... Wait a second, you've been, you've been debunking <laughs> Q shit? Are you trying to tell me that hardcore Donald Trump supporters who believe internet fantasies need to be corrected and that Donald Trump isn't really secretly oh. doing good stuff underneath all of the evil shit he's doing as Man. president. Shocking, shocking, Miko. But yeah, so I, I get I get the the crazy, crazy hate. Like just that real raw makes no fucking sense, illogical, I hate you and I wanna kill your whole family stuff. So I, I don't I don't read YouTube comments. I like have my live comments up and I'll answer when it's live and I'll talk shit back and forth to people, but nah, I don't I don't go back and read through that shit. But it is interesting though, like especially with the Q stuff. Um Kind of getting off topic, but you know, actually, not even. Let's not even do that. Um, well, no, I mean, you, any of these things, though, you can bring it back. Well, to it, it, it plays into the censorship. censorship. It it plays into the censorship because I mean, like at this point, the Q group. I just uh, talked to Will Sommer, I think it is, over at the Daily Beast, because um, they're starting to get into this group of lunatics I was covering for a while. Uh, like Timothy Charles Homeseth and Field McConnell and Timothy Homeseth, that's actually who started that crazy shit that there was uh, children in underground tunnels being rescued and shit. So not only at this point, though, is there two kidnappings related to Q uh, from that little children being rescued in tunnels thing. You had the train conductor that tried to ram his train into the USS Comfort. Um, you had... What is her name? Jessica 
uh, she's a stripper from like Oregon that drove across the country on live stream talking about how she was going to kidnap a kid with her drug addict buddy while threatening Mike Pence's life armed with a bunch of knives that drove to the USS Mercy because she believed that the children were being rescued and taken to, that was one of the big beliefs that all the children being rescued from the underground tunnels in New York were being taken to the mercy and the comfort. So yeah, this train conductor, which seemed like a completely normal fucking guy, long career, threw his life away trying to bring attention to this crazy ass conspiracy this Jessica bitch drove across the country threatening the president, left her kid at home, ended up getting her kid taken, um, was arrested in New York, all this crazy shit because of the children in the tunnels. So, like, with this Cushion, those aren't the only instances. You're seeing physical actions in the real world, but there's they're just now, I will say, like, Twitter just now started putting a foot down on the Q guys. And that... It's, <laughs> I don't know. It, that that's why it actually is a fitting, uh, it's a fitting topic because there's this weird question of should these assholes be censored because they're fucking crazy and they're driving people crazy, but at the same time, what does that open up for everyone else? Kind of like the Alex. Right, Jones right. Well, that, that, that raises two big questions. I want to ask you then, because let's jump to the next third rail we can grab here: pedophilia. Shall we? Uh, oh boy! This is, because this this is what they use as the excuse to censor people, right? Well, you, you could be a pedophile, you could be hurt. We have to, and my response to this right away is, I mean, first of all, censorship backfires every time when you say hey, we're going to stifle this thing that someone is trying to communicate, as opposed to just ignore it or come over the top with better, more positive information. There is going to be some kind of and effect or unintended consequence. And when when I hear people saying we have to censor pedophiles off of Twitter, I'm like, wait, really? Why? What's going on? And they they've tried to tell me there are pedophiles operating in the open, grooming kids on Twitter who government is ignoring, and instead of exposing them, at least to vigilante justice, what they want to do is censor them. And I go, wait a second, if there's a pedophile who's dumb enough to expose himself publicly on Twitter. Why would you want to stop them from doing that? It seems like it's really obvious to me in that case, but they have used this as the wedge to say, well, we, we need some censorship, and then here we are. Well, and that's like what they've done with past uh, internet uh, censorship bills and whatnot. They've tried to lead the fight with pedophilia. Like, if you don't condone this, then you're for pedophilia. Um, it's funny though on the pedophile topic because actually the <laughs> the very day that CJ asked me about coming on your show that night I had a uh, I did a live on Rick and Morty's uh, co-created Dan, Dan Harmon's yeah Dan Harmon's video um <laughs> like ten minutes into my live on Facebook it was banned in eighteen countries. And then on YouTube, it was uh, eventually taken down. But the funny See, this, thing is, this, this is the, sorry, I got to jump in here. This is the danger of the censorship thing. If they say we're going to censor anything that mentions pedophilia, then you're censoring anything that is anti-pedophilia. Well, it's see, like with, with racism and sexism on Facebook. Well, if you make a racist comment on your Facebook page, and someone you knew in middle school, you know, who's your friend from whatever 
complains about that post, then your neighbors aren't going to find out that they have a racist neighbor. Well, and see, though, the problem is, like, I was, because that video is a little tricky to find. Like, your your common your common person, which that's somebody I've been trying to relate to more, um, just with how the country is going, unfortunately. But your common person that gets a majority of their information from, like, social media memes most likely isn't going to be able to go find that video. And it is a fucked up video. I don't know if you've seen it, but it is definitely Yeah, it's it's fucked up. Do you, you know sidebar here if you if you don't if you'll indulge me for a second because I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty. I love the show. It's fun, it's funny, it's thought-provoking. It's uh, you know, high-tech science fiction concepts. I I find them great, you know. Uh this thing with with Dan Harmon, it it is a it's fair to call it a baby rape skit. Yeah. But you wouldn't say there but hold on, you wouldn't say because Dan Harmon plays a pedophile, he must be a pedophile any more than any actor playing a murderer must be a murderer. You know, maybe he's got really bad taste in trying to be provocative. Can you decisively condemn him of, of something worse with this? I you know, I don't know. Even being a fan of dark humor I mean I I guess the way I look at it is I get it. <laughs> I mean, dude, you you fucked a baby doll and, well, technically raped a baby doll on video, then posted it online. I mean, I get it. I get why people are going to read your ass. <laughs> there's, Figuratively, there's, not literally, hopefully. You, well, I, I mean, that's I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a creepy part, like, on the Q thing. Like, Timothy Homeseth in specific, who really does help create a lot of these bullshit things. I can't help but wonder if it hasn't become an outlet for some of these people's fantasies. It's such it, to sit there and think of these very detailed, weird child rape being drained of blood, all this crazy shit they're saying. I don't sit there and think that. Like, well, would you say? Would you? But would you? Would and I'm I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. But then, would you accuse everybody who composes a murder mystery of having murder fantasies? Possibly. No, then, I don't know about then, everyone. But right, but then, then there's then there's the other. Like you 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 hinted at there. There's the flip side to this. If we were to look at pedophilia objectively, scientifically, and say, hey, there's a certain amount of pedophiles out there. If you suppress pedophilia you're going to get more rapes. Well, yeah, suppression if, doesn't work. If you welcome it into the open, you give people outlets, you give people sex dolls, maybe you get less rapes. Now, maybe you don't have to encourage pedophilia, but you do have to acknowledge it one way or another in order to say, how do we address this so that there are less child rapes, right? Well, yeah, that's kind of like the uh, Trotla argument. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, Trotler company with the child sex dolls. They've been banned in a few heard, countries. Like a couple years ago, I want to say like two years ago, they were banned in Australia. I think you can still order them in America. Um, that's like the two sides of the argument there, or, or one of the two sides. Um, one of them is that the doll will fulfill those urges, and the other argument to that is how long until the fantasy has to become a reality. Does it, right. Does it encourage a real crime? Do yeah. we have the science on that? No, because the science so. isn't threat. Well, we have this weird way of dealing with things where we just kind of 
be like, no, that's bad. We're not gonna. I mean, that that's the problem with prostitution and drug use and all that. We don't address it. We most people don't even realize it, which is really odd with this trafficking shit. Like this whole crazy. If prostitution was legal, child trafficking would not be a fucking thing. Legalize prostitution to protect the kids. It's fucking insane. It would kill it down so much. And then also, people don't realize the logical steps they can take. Like they're out here saving this ridiculous fucking save the children hashtag. But they don't realize in their own county, in their own city, in their own state, victims of trafficking are treated like criminals. Like. They're they're not you're a a child prostitute committing crime. Yeah. You know, that chick that's scared that this dude's gonna murder her whole fucking family all of a sudden is the ringleader of this prostitution thing because why not? So it it's weird to see all that um just no real answers coming out of it. But it does see and I don't know, like and on the pedophilia thing it's it's really weird because it's not being censored um right now on facebook there are literally thousands of like I, we stopped looking into them because there's so many um of these like boy groups these like boy worship groups child worship groups where the thing is because i've talked to local police and i've talked to the fbi about it they share these pictures of like boys in swimsuit suits and little girls in swimsuits shit like that definitely suggestive but it's not pornography. It's not breaking any law. It's creepy as shit. It's but there's no law against just sharing these pictures and saying, oh, you know, they're they're models, whatever bullshit they want to go with. But these pages don't get taken, or these groups and shit, they they don't get taken down normally unless, yeah, you know, I don't I don't even know. It's very I that's one th- I haven't even figured out how exactly they get taken down. Because there's such a disproportion of these groups that are reported and the ones that are taken down. Like for every 20 or 30 that are taken down or reported, one or two might be taken down. But then at the same time, like I remember I did an article and and even that Dan Harmon live I was doing. Technically, I was exposing this pedophilia possibly behavior and my stream was shut off. Before that, one of the last times, I caught a 30-day ban on Facebook. They blocked my article URL from Facebook, and it was an article on this guy posing as a family ph- uh, photographer who was really taking pics of kids' feet and th- or feet, and then he was fucking trading them on like a VK.com and shit in these fetish feet groups. I-, I tracked him through different, like I think it was four different sites with like adult feet fetish shit. And he was trading these picks. That was my article, and I got put in jail for 30 days, and his page stayed up. So you know, it's I I I don't even know. Like I had never seen that before either. Uh, last Wednesday when I was doing that on uh, Dan, it it cut out. I used Restream, um, so things just got weird on my Restream. And then so I went and looked on my phone and checked my notifications, and sure enough, I had a notification saying my video was banned in 18 countries. Now, the super weird part, because YouTube removed it as well, it apparently violated YouTube uh, community standard, 
but neither Facebook or YouTube told me what community standard I violated, and I didn't get in any trouble on either platform. Like I didn't, I'm it. It didn't count as a strike on YouTube. I'm not in Facebook jail, but it just couldn't be there. So that's so. And and I'd like to point out also with the Dan Harmon video, I censored the shit out of it. I had a blur even over just the baby doll when it was just the baby doll. Like any time the baby doll was on camera, I blurred it. And I bleeped out the word rape and any other. I mean, I over censored this fucking thing, and still, <laughs> done. Like ten minutes in, done. So, Migo, I'm really enjoying this, and I think this conversation so far is kind of like a prelude. If you don't mind staying on for the rest of the hour, I think finishing this conversation is more important than any of the headlines I've got pulled up. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I already told you guys, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, with yeah, I don't. Yeah, and you know, I want to I want to ask a couple bigger questions, <clears throat> and I want to give our live audience a chance to ask you some questions as well. And me, if you guys have questions for me, given all the stuff that you know we've covered today and, and censorship and, and journalism issues, uh, but there there are two bigger, well, there's, there's like three bigger general subjects that I want to cover with you if you can. One, what is the effect on the general conversation for? everybody, the average American, the, the general understanding of what's going on in the news and current events. I want to talk to you about what we do as independent creators to stay viable against these challenges, business-wise, community-wise, broadcasting, technology, organization, all of those things. And then finally, really, you know, what can we do about this uh, as a community of content creators, uh, as the audiences of, of people like us who care about these things, and again, for just any conscientious news consumers as a whole. But first, let's see if, if we can get Jim up here on stage, Jim Freedom, our, our co-host, uh, who's watching the comments and has been a part of this, you know, he's been a fan of mine for a long time, who then just recently stepped into this role as co-host and has been kind of like, oh, shit, Adam, I didn't know this is all we were up against, right? It's kind of new for you, Jim. So, Jim, if you have any uh, any comments you want to share uh, with, with Nico from the audience or questions or any, anything you want to inject with yourself, please go ahead. I have no sound on Jim. Jim? Sorry, is that better? There, there we go. go. I don't know how I got muted. Sorry about that. Um... First, I just wanted to say this is a great discussion. Uh, it's been great hearing. I mean, I'm, it's not great hearing everything that you've been through, but it's important to hear it on the platforms. You know what I mean? I was just sitting here thinking, like, you, how badly you got censored on the things you got. I'm wondering how badly we're going to get censored with this video just talking about it. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> if we're not going to get censored any more than we normally already are, then at least some of us, at least some of our viewers that are hardcore watchers are going to be seeing and hearing the next level of censorship. Because what you're going through is even, it seems a little bit even worse than what Adam's going through. Kind, I mean, to a varying degree, I guess. It seems more, like you were saying, in the middle of your live stream, you got cut off. That's crazy, man. Oh, That's, yeah. Um, two accounts. Two accounts deactivated in the middle of a live stream. That's wild. I but, you know, and that's another thing that I forgot earlier um, on the whole thing of like 
the where where it's just not really talked about and the sort of emotional damage and shit that it does and where that depression and anxiety and shit comes from. I lost so many things I will never get back. Like I I've been streaming and doing this shit since Ferguson. Um, this happened in 2018, so I had. Four years of traveling the country. I was at the inauguration. I, I live streamed from Hurricane Irma. I I lost so much shit that's just gone. Gone yeah, that's wrong, man. I mean, there's no other word for it. That is wrong. To take one, no matter what you were talking about on the one video you got banned from, to take everything else away from you, it's just absolutely wrong. Criminal, in my opinion. But it hurt. That that's wait. That's are you trying to say that? Are you trying to say that governments and the corporations uh, would rewrite history to favor their narrative? No, I know, I know, mind blowing. They wouldn't do that. Well, no, and, and you know what? It's it, one of the things I just want to point out, and I, I hate to go back to those sarcastic comments, like, as a, but I just it's it's so overwhelming. There is a kind of I hope I hope the audience can hear. The pain in our voices underneath all this laughter, you know, the tears of a clown here that are like behind this when, you know, we're trying to point out the injustices of the world and you get shut down. It, it's, it's, the frustration is really overwhelming and it's tempting to think, oh, we're in the age of the internet. Everybody's enlightened. Information is free. Things are different now. And then you go, no, the more things change. The more things oh, the, uh, we're still fighting these power dynamics. The the state of Alabama actually tried to sue me one time to get me to stop reporting on a story. That was a thing. I think it was a total of six hundred thousand dollars. They were suing me for three hundred thousand, and then suing the Daily Hayes for another three hundred thousand. Kidding me? What was the story? Uh, they had r- wrongfully taken. These uh, two children's uh, DHR did. I think it's DHR in Alabama. Uh, they'd taken these two children wrongfully. Uh, they were twins. Well, okay. First, there was a newborn baby that they took. That was one of the twins' daughters uh, that, like, just had her kid. And then they came and they took the twins, the mother, and they were like 17 or so. So they lived with their grandmother, um, along with her sister and or her grandmother and grandfather. Um, I actually went to Alabama, like I it was Birmingham, Alabama. I met the family, like the grandparents. The grandfather is a retired police officer, and the grandmother is a retired teacher. Their house, I mean, they are Alabama Christians. They they cooked me homemade dinner and we prayed before we ate and shit. So they come in, they take this newborn baby, um, and then they come back and they take the twins. And it turns out, like, the twins' mom was kind of a, just not, she didn't have her shit together. She never had her rights terminated. The grandparents allowed her to still see them. Uh, they never wanted her completely cut off, but she just didn't have her shit together. So the older sister also lived with the grandparents. And they said that the grandparents weren't capable of raising these kids and shit. And what happened was I actually stayed up all night 
the morning before or the night before court, one of their court dates, which when we went to the courthouse, there was no, there was like signs posted on the door saying no cell phones or anything like this. Because by this point, uh, my story went pretty fucking viral, like the original one. And then there was also a video of them taking the infant that went uh, viral. So they like literally shut down the courthouse from anybody seeing what was going on, basically. Um, that morning, though, like 30 minutes before court, because I kind of wanted to catch them off guard where they couldn't respond, I released a document that I obtained that showed just a week prior the grandmother had been approved by DHR to take the sister and her child. So DHR literally approved this household one week, and then the next week came and removed these children. Which they ended up getting the children home, but it got pretty rocky there. Like, I was told there was uh, executive orders and shit uh, placed all throughout the state of Alabama that no government workers could speak to me or the Daily Hayes, anybody representing the Daily Hayes. Which, and at that point, I mean, like monthly, the Daily Hayes, before I stopped that, we were pulling between 1.3 and 3.7 million readers and shit. That month, so I mean that's that's hard to do on a website these days, <laughs> especially an underfunded and not cooperating website. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. I had like their different uh, state reps and shit contacting me, and their attorney just like their attorney tried to talk my attorney out of representing me because they said I was a loose cannon. <laughs> like it was fucking crazy, man. It was super fucking crazy. But yeah, that happened because I let out that little piece of information that one week ago you said this house is cool this week. And that was a... They tried for $600,000. That's insane. <laughs> they dropped they, that? Uh, it, they didn't even file the fucking thing correct. Like, uh, so it was, just, it, was a, it, was a, it was a harassment. It was more well, of a threat to, 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 to stop covering the story. What they did is they actually came out at lunch, like a couple hours after I released that document, and they slapped like nine of us with a lawsuit, including the grandparents, and we were all actually being sued on behalf of the infant. Uh, me, I know in particular, I was being sued for po potential damages in the future to the infant because <laughs> I I don't even know the guardian. The guardian at all, or uh, at all, yeah, was fucking. It was them suing on behalf of the baby. Guardian so when people life. say we, or yeah, when, guardian, when, them, people, yeah. uh, when we when we hear people say we have a government run by pedophiles, it's tempting to dismiss that as sensationalism, but it's it's just exaggeration. And we do have a government that is essentially whether you, I mean maybe it's just still an exaggeration, but to say that we have a government. Uh, that is that is clearly infiltrated by pedophiles. I didn't expect that. Uh, really, we're talking about censorship, and then we end up talking about pedophilia this much. It does kind of make sense uh, that we we make that that natural connection that a lot of the censorship that is happening online is to protect pedophiles. And well, you, could see you know, because every other one, I've I've like figured out some sort of workaround for the most part. Now, granted, like I was taking care of my grandma with dementia for like two years. Um, I kind of backed off stuff while I was doing that. She just passed away in March, so I'm just now, like, starting to get back into the swing of shit. And 
So I'm like trying to figure out these on like touch and go how to work around and shit. I don't know how to do this workaround on like trying to expose like actually expose any sort of pedophilia shit, which is weird because these Q assholes can run around just pointing their finger at everybody, but then if you have some actual documentation, you get shut down. Like it's yeah. fucking frustrating. Yeah. It's very frustrating. So I, I, I just want to. I want to be clear. I'm not trying to say that we have a government run by pedophiles. I don't think that's fair. But we have a government seriously infiltrated by pedophiles who are running major parts of it, influencing major parts of it, protecting themselves and other pedophiles with government legal mechanisms, as in this case. And you go, yeah, this is this is the root of the problem. And it's not pedophilia and censorship in government. It's government and censorship being used to protect all kinds of criminals. Murderers, thieves, those are the, the primary ones that governments protect, right? People who murder for war and people who steal through government. But I, I want to go back to our audience. Jim, do you have any other any comments you want to share, questions from our, our live audience to share with Miko? Uh, there's no questions on the subject matter, no. We've put in, uh, we can just go ahead and ask the audience live. If you have any questions, just put at Adam or at Miko, and we can get your questions there. We put it in the chat, too, so people know. I think people, this is like the quietest I've seen the chat in a good while, so I think people are really just tuned in and listening and it's, it's good information you know so all right well we'll check it out we made a point of it they'll they'll think of some questions okay thank you jim we'll check back in with you in about in the audience in about 10 minutes here miko let's get to these bigger questions first for the average american the average human being on earth as a news consumer what do they have to know based on understanding that censorship is as rampant as it is um that they're honestly that they're part of the problem at least a good percentage are because it's shit where and you know it's not even trying to knock anybody it's i i i like to think that there aren't stupid people until they refuse to learn something that's when you become fucking stupid um the just mindlessly sharing, uh, not fact-checking anything, seeing a fucking meme and taking it as gold and running with it, that is a big part of what is affecting us. Like, it, it, it's a, it, it, this is a relationship. You know, we need, we need people to make sure they're not flooding shit because we're the ones getting punished for that shit, unfortunately. Um, and the people pushing that shit still, like I said, the most frustrating part, they they aren't being punished for it. Except for, like I said, tip, tip of the hat to Twitter, they at least kind of started to clamp down on Q, which again, though, that's that double-edged sword. That's, that's, you, can't, you can't hand it to them for that because that's a deception. They're clamping down on Q so they have an excuse to clamp and, down and on their political opponents. That's where I said double-edged sword. But also, though, you know, they, see, There's I don't no know. There's no positive edge to censoring Q. It gives them more credibility. And I think and about Twitter knows this. Twitter knows true. the stride-stand effect. I, I mean, I, I want to. I really do want to challenge you on this one, Nico, because I don't that, agree with you here. That, that's true. Well, no, and see, that's where I'm not even saying I agree with me. 
I just, <laughs> I just honestly, I don't know what to do with it because it is like, man, there are pe- their mental health is bad in this country, and there are people that just aren't processing this Q stuff right, and it's turning them into threats to other people. So that's where it's like. Okay, okay, but by that argument, you better censor every single military recruiting ad off the face of the planet. No, and I'd give you that. That'd be similar. Um, but, you know, at least at least they somewhat understand they're killing a person and not killing some baby blood-drinking alien from another planet. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's, just, that's, that's what the, you know how bad the military engages in propaganda against the troops to demonize the enemy? Oh, yeah, that's that's always been a thing, though. I mean, I guess, actually, yeah, they barely look at them as human because that's part of the thing is making the enemy uh, just we completely dehumanizing them. They were all no. fucking hajis. No, and I mean, that's like 9-11. People don't even, we never really talked about or thought about what it was like to be, in a, be a Muslim uh, right after 9-11 happened. Like, holy shit, man, that was not a good time <laughs> to be a brown person in this country, especially in New York. You had people getting beat in the fucking street, their shops getting burnt down, shit like that. And that's something that we never really talked about. So I, I want to ask you to reframe your answer, though for the benefit of your audience and my audience and anybody else who might be watching this, not to, not to the general American public, like, Hey, you're part of the problem. Cause I agree. But if you were coaching people in a more positive way to be more conscientious consumers of information, what's your advice? See, and I, I, I do try and do that. I try and tell people to not even listen to me. Um, just like, look, Look stuff up, verify stuff. It's not that a meme cannot be taken as gold. It just can't. Uh, I think probably, and that would be one of the biggest ways. That's one of the frustrating parts about all these things that you don't want just spreading. Like that would be the thing is let them say it, but stop spreading it. Like. <laughs> Maybe that would be an answer. Just just the fact-checking thing, I think, is so important and so not used by, uh, uh, unfortunately, at least 60% or more of social media users. I mean, just I don't know if you saw the uh, Portland beating that just happened. With, yeah. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, this guy uh, pulled out of his truck and kicked in the street. Yeah. Um, Adam and I'm Adam uh, Hainer, Hainer, and then uh, Marquise Marquise Love, Quise Love was the guy that kicked him. Um, I just did a live on that yesterday, and one of the things that I made sure to point out was that everybody thought that he was dead, and it turned out this one person's post on Facebook, just one person in 23 hours, the post was shared 186,000 times before it was taken down. And the lady even posted after that saying that he was alive. I Like, I, I know what she was doing. She was just being a piece of garbage and trying to flame shit and enjoying her social media attention. But, uh, yeah, it was shared 186,000 times, and there was nothing, absolutely nothing backing it up. Not one shred of evidence 
that showed that Adam Hainer had died. In fact, by that point, the GoFundMe was already up. Yeah, right? so, so I find out, uh, yeah, my experience with this story, I saw the kicked and killed headline. And, not, you know, and, and it, honestly, I looked into it a little bit, but I, and I realized, hey, this is a sensationalist outlier story that, like, and I want to, I want to tell my viewers on Adam versus the man that I didn't bring them that story because it's an incident that I know is going to be twisted and misrepresented. And it's going to be, it's already being blown up into sensationalist headlines. And if you just read the headlines, I, man, I read Drudge Report almost every day and I, I get pissed about how badly the headlines from the mainstream media, even on Drudge, are deliberately twisting reality. I think not – and then I, there was another study I saw, this was like a month ago maybe, that, that said most people who share stories on social media read the headlines and share them without reading the story. Oh, yeah, no, actually a few years back, me and my friend – uh, we did this experiment on the Daily Haze, and it actually it went way farther than we fucking expected. So my friend Casey's Filipino, and this was like during one of the uh, terrorist fucking ISIS is going to kill us all scares going on, you know. And I was wondering, like, does America even know what what our enemy looks like? Like, what are what are they freaking out about right now? So I took my Filipino friend and I put him as the uh, – he had like this terrible fucking passport picture. It was just terrible. <laughs> and I put him as the cover photo and then the title was something like uh, ISIS member arrested at border or some shit like that. And then if you clicked on the article, it actually said this picture is not an ISIS terrorist he's actually a filipino man he's my friend um and then i went into some information about like the actual origin of isis shit like that and we were trying to like i was i went to work i was living in florida at the time and i was working in this bar my phone was just going fucking crazy and my friend casey is like freaking out and he's like dude my fucking mom saw the article it's all fucking over like <laughs> and he was right it had went viral since i left my apartment and so when i got home i just found this stock picture of a filipino man and switched it out um can we find but, this and pull it up to show people is it still out there i know I, I took the site down altogether whenever facebook like i was already at a point where i kind of didn't like the direction i was getting pushed into with it and then we lost, like, our entire social media following. I had some issues with uh, the people that were hosting the site. And so I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to start something new. But uh, we we actually we were trying to track that art article as best as we could through different shares and whatnot. And all around, Casey and his brother, his brother's a pretty smart little motherfucker. Uh, he, like, actually did some more in-depth shit. And we found it was something like 40% actually read the story. Um, I think maybe another 50%, a little over 50% did not read and just shared the headline. And then, like, the last, like, 10% were people that were just completely off in their own world. <laughs> didn't didn't really make any sense to anything in the article, so we just kind of put them in this little weird category, like, 
okay, you guys really don't know what you're talking about. But then, like, in the comments, and he spent, like, days doing this and putting it together. Um, he did find, I think it was, like, 30% of the people that only read the headline and shared it had someone correct him in the comments and be like, did you even read the article that you just shared out? And then from there, it was, like, an even smaller percentage that would recognize that like when somebody said that they'd be like oh shit you're right okay my bad uh, and then the, the confirmation the, bias setting in the other percentage would just argue their point still like well this may not be but still fuck those terrorists like, okay that's still though <laughs> i want to do an experiment like this myself but i feel like my audience i, I would hope is too smart like how many people in my on my social media are dumb enough to share an experiment. I mean, like, I, you know, I admit, like, I've done it myself a couple times on Twitter. I've seen, you know, I think, oh, well, it's a credible source. You know, someone's, you know, there's the headline and it's making a good point. I don't need to know more. And I'll share it. And there's, there, there are a couple things that work here. You know, one, the, the positive desire to understand the world more efficiently. But what you're talking about isn't that. What you're talking about from this experiment is that people go online not for the purpose of learning what's going on in the world as much as to stroke their own egos, engage their confirmation bias, and verify their worldviews, not challenge themselves intellectually in any way. And that really has created sort of toxicity. That's what you're seeing with the Save the Children hashtag. Like, you know, one one thing that would be better than... Uh, sharing basically anything with the Save the Children hashtag would be going and donating your time at a shelter that deals with victims of trafficking. Oh, hey, I, I know how I know how I'm going to do this experiment. We're we're gonna w- w- let's test the QAnon community. Should we? Shall we? Oh, what if what if the, what if the fake headline was Trump finally? publicly explains how he's taking down pedophiles. And then the, the, the content is make, make a blog post. You know, put a, do a Facebook post here. Just put us on Facebook and put a picture of Trump with, with some cops looking serious and, and, and something that just like validates. Ah, it's the final confirmation of everything, Q. And then have yeah, the content you'd, you'd, of the story just be like, no, it's Q's all bullshit. You'd want to use the word confirm. I think, right, I think okay. like, I think like Trump confirms war on pedophilia or something like that would probably. Oh, because that's the whole Q thing. I think there's this Q, war. Few fans vindicated. That's the ultimate clickbait, isn't it? For them, that's pretty up there. It's odd. Okay. Yeah, it's just odd. They definitely yeah. like like the stronger like like the word. It, it, and I have noticed that, and it almost feels like they even give more credibility to those people. Like if, if you have patriot <laughs> and like strong patriot ninety two eighty seven or woke patriot, and it's like, oh well, this dude fucking totally knows what he's talking about. It's so bizarre. Well, but, so there. I, I just want to point out before I get to my last big question for you, we check back in with our audience in the last few minutes of the show here. Is that there, there's a kind of psychological manipulation going on in the bigger picture here, where if you are beaten down 
in any way, if you are economically distressed, if you are insecure, if you are confused, if you're afraid uh, of things real or imagined, you have with you a certain vulnerability to manipulation. And a lot of people who are in that kind of emotional state that has been deliberately created for most citizens of the world one way or another, you are more likely to engage with the Internet not as a way of seeking truth, but of seeking clarity and validation and vindication. And that makes you very open to this kind of manipulation. And this is why censorship like we've experienced and social media manipulation is effective. So I know we could go into that for a whole hour. I know you've got plenty to say on that. Hopefully we can get you back for a panel in a week or two like we, we had originally planned uh, with journalists who had been censored. We had a couple other last-minute confirmations that were too late actually this morning for you. But the, the last big question I've got for you, Miko, is for those of us in this field, what do we do to fight this business-wise to make sure that what we are doing is sustainable and how does society support independent media? Man, you know, I... A million dollar question. My best guess is in the route I'm going to go this time is uh, crowdfunding and sponsors. Um... I get I get the whole like fuck that I'm doing this cuz the right thing I do get that but the problem is with a lot of this shit is you're challenging money at the end of the day with almost any sort of corruption there is you're challenging money um a shaky cell phone video can only do so much so, like, the financial part is getting hard, and that's where I, I think finding some sort of sponsor that isn't going to try and control you at all. That's the important part is making sure that you're not controlled. I kind of feel like I remember I, I used to like uh, Vice. I still think some good stuff comes out of Vice. But when you started seeing Nike and all this other shit fucking pop up, they toned down a lot. You know, this wasn't, this went from running around with the warlords of Liberia to fucking teen pop kids popping X in their ass and shit. You know, I mean, it, it went from such a level of what the fuck to this other level of like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, so I, I don't know. Finding that balance where you don't basically sell your soul to the devil. But aside from that, like, I mean, in order to actually survive, and this goes back to what we kind of touched on earlier, I think, like, the only way to really get the true protection is to get somebody with the balls to try and challenge to, to amend the First Amendment to stretch over to social media and the Internet now because oh, it no, plays. no, 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 no. You think the government, the, the First Amendment has been such a success. Let's, let's use it really. Really, Nico? I, I that's know. your answer now? Let's have more government involvement in this? Well, the ultimate desire of it would be for less government to basically give us the same right to stand on a corner and be like, hey, fuck you, asshole. Now, I know that those rights are going to be infringed upon, but that's like one of the only ways I see even plausible because the thing is social media has become such a part 
I mean, we go to it for everything. You buy shit. Okay, you so, get your so political. Mika, Mika, I love your answer about the financial independence. I think that's really important. The the government thing. I just want you to consider a couple of things that are essential to the libertarian perspective on this. That yes, you can have government come in and do good things, but if government created the problem in the first place, it's better to take away how government is creating the problem rather than putting a Band-Aid solution on it, as more government might be, if it doesn't have worse unintended consequences to begin with. I mean, I don't trust the government to come in and, well, we're going we're gonna, to well, we're gonna come in and say what censorship is okay on social media, not no censorship, because we're still going to allow for some. And the way the government created this problem, like, let's look to the real source. It's corporatism, it's intellectual property, all the other ways that government supports these social media giants, these tech giants, against competition that would open us up. And I think the future is free speech with blockchain technology, fully distributed, no central, anything is even in the position to censor anybody at that point. But with that, I know, I know, I know, you really want to get into that one. Well, I mean, in, (laughs) in, in a perfect world, though, that would be. But the thing is, is trying to convert your average Facebook user to that platform. Like in in my perfect vision of a uh, First Amendment over uh, basically the Internet is to just fuck off, leave it alone, unless there's like a felony being committed. I know that that's a dream that probably wouldn't happen. But at the same time, we're already in this dangerous point where these – I mean this isn't little money we're talking about. We're talking about corporations making huge fucking money, and they're not going to – tone it back without somebody saying no they're allowed to say fuck you I hate white people you know I mean that's there has to be something above the money which our government is supposed to be above the money but that goes into an even deeper issue so again the perfect world is one with conscientious consumers and the market is the solution and people know to not pay attention to people who are deceiving them all right, Miko, this has been a blast. We really just have a few minutes left here. I want to check in with the audience. If we can get Jim back up on stage here and see what other comments or questions we might have for our guests or just on this topic in general. Jim? Yeah, we got a, we got a couple of questions here. Uh, real quick before the questions, 1054 says, Good interview. Miko has a very calming tone of voice, like a foul-mouthed Jeffrey Tucker. <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually been told that before. Oh, yeah? Nice. Okay. Uh, our very own producer has a question for you, CJ Abernathy at Miko. Uh, there he is, right there. You want to ask your own question, CJ? You're muted. <laughs> All right. So, hey, uh, Miko, so glad you can make it today. As you know, I'm a, a big supporter of your work, a fan of it, so to this speak. Is true. And yes, I, I I I do find your voice to be very soothing, and yes, that of a foul mouthed, uh, uh, soothing voice to listen to, but an honest voice nonetheless, and. I, I've hey, been all watching. I got all I hey CJ all I have to do to sound like Miko is take steroids and smoke more weed. I mean, do you? I, we can do this. I, 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 uh, I'm a little concerned that I'll actually never be able to be monetized on YouTube. <laughs> it's from my, I can't I can't filter myself, so that's 
So You'll never Miko, be advertiser-friendly. Sorry, CJ. No. no, you're fine. No. So, 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 Miko, I, I've watched you cover sovereign citizens off and on and write articles about differing sovereign citizens and their involvement in CPS and family law cases. Have you been censored in that coverage? Have you experienced any retaliation that, that uh, would lead you to not covering that topic? No, honestly, they let me shit all over those people. Like, with no problem whatsoever. Um, about the worst thing is just the people themselves getting mad about it. But, I mean, I've also... I, I caused some problems within the white supremacist community, and they, like, put me on chip mania and all this other horrible shit. So... And I pissed off a Benghazi war hero. So, I mean... The threats of a sovereign citizen doesn't completely scare me, especially because, I mean, fuck, you've seen some of the ones I go after. I, I don't go after, like, the minor sovereigns. No. I go who's after the, the full-blown who's fucking... Been, who's been the biggest sovereign citizen or group that you have covered? Man. You know, I almost want to give it to Timothy Charles Homeseth because he's not technically... A sovereign citizen, uh, but he adopts a lot of their crazy stuff. And, and just so people are aware, this is Timothy Charles Holmesheth, the alleged creator of the Pentagon Pedophile Task Force, which is one person removed from Donald Trump, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Well, okay, so technically that's supposed to be a Field McConnell... Which Field didn't claim it quite as much, but yeah, Timothy is the quote-unquote photographer for the Pentagon Pedophile Task Force. And um, he's doing videos out of his car on, while asking for donations. Yeah, on McDonald's Wi-Fi. Um, I talked to the Pentagon. I got a response from the Pentagon saying that the, <laughs> the Pentagon Pedophile Task Force does not exist. Um, and yeah, then, he's still out there saying it's real. Well, and see, it's part of, like, his uh, connections, because then you got David Strait, who David Strait is, like, a full-blown fucking psychopath, sovereign citizen that flies around the country on other people's dime, promising them that he can get them out of any crime that exists, all the way up to clearing up their bankruptcy, to getting their children home, all off of fucking sovereign shit. And David and Strait, that, that's supposedly their... Uh, one guy, like Field McConnell and Timothy, David Strait is supposedly the one guy away from President Trump because David claims that he goes into the Rose Garden with Melania and, and Donald all the time and they thank him. And it, it, so Has there been, never been a picture of these people together in the Rose Garden? There's professional photographers. You'd why, think would, why would you need a picture? I mean, I'm just don't saying. You, people, don't you just believe them? No, of course not. We want that limit, Nico, and then and, this and, is post Me Too movement, bud. We we just believe straight up that. Yeah, right. But, but so, no, so that's why I think them though, because David Strait, because like I said, Timothy isn't necessarily a sovereign citizen, but oh my God, the reach is fucking insane. Fields' reach was insane, and then you got that David Strait, sovereign like the Holy Father of both the shitheads. So, and I mean, and they know. tend to breed off other, like, uh, entities and people that inspire them to do 
do uh, more. And, and would you say, what would you say, if you had to put a number on it percentage-wise of, of CPS cases these people try to get involved in? Oh, they're terrible. Um, I mean, they're, like there's one in specific when court finishes, uh, Melissa Deagle, for example, when, when her court is finished, I, I know a lot of things about that situation that I can't publicly say yet, and I need court to finish. Uh, but there's a lot of them. I mean, like, that's where, like, Arlena Willis, they got her to fill, uh, file all those sovereign documents where, like, she declared to the court that she was not dead or lost at sea, um, which is common with the sovereigns, that flooding of just nonsensical court documents. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've noticed most of the legitimate... Okay, so if, if you got your kid taken, I'm not saying that CPS should just be out there taking kids. Like, first, they should be offering resources. That's what they were fucking developed for. Um, so a lot of times they are quick to just do a removal. At that same time, if you have someone that believes this sort of stuff as hard as they do, there may have been reasons there to remove that child because obviously there's something wrong with this person's judgment overall to even believe some of the nonsense that comes out of these people's mouths. Do you think that the government, in, in a sense, through the family court CPS system kind of creates that worldview for the sovereign citizen movement to target then CPS and, and family well, law cases? But sovereign, uh, sovereign isn't C- CPS based. I mean, oh, like, no, it, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying there's a, a target there for, that's placed upon people that go through this. Well, not because this is the thing. Like um, the sovereign starting back in the 80s as actually a, a racist movement. Um, it was meant for white people to basically exist without federal government um, and a misunderstanding of the 14th Amendment. So. It's it's all government, which in all honesty, at some points they do have um, legitimate arguments just mixed under a lot of misinformation. Uh, but like they, I guess they have a good point. They might not have a good argument, but they, they like mean well at the end of it. Like, you know, you shouldn't just have your house ripped from you and end up homeless on the streets over some bullshit. But... And funny how you never get censored when talking about people who are trying to stand up to government when you are rightfully critical of them. And I'm, I'm not saying the sovereign citizen movement doesn't have plenty of critical or plenty of shit that's crazy to be critical of that is just harmful. But if you want to be critical of an anti-government group, oh, that's great. You'll never get censored doing that. Oh, no, not at all. Um but, you know, the thing with sovereigns, and it's also why it's I, I've spent so much time with it, it's not it's not like Q, where Q's even kind of splintered off. Um, with sovereign, there's no main base. There's, like, no organization. There's just tons of little groups that are focused around different things they can scam people for. Because with the 99% of fucking sovereign shit, this guy isn't out there doing it. Um, just because he's a nice guy and telling these people his information. They have to pay some sort of monthly fee. They have to make a donation to help them get to their city. They have to buy tickets. There's some sort of money 
involved in the vast majority of sovereign these sovereign scam I know circles. You, I know you covered one scam circle where they were saying that there's an affidavit that can get your kids back, and they right. and they scammed a Brazilian family. Uh, you know, these are pretty common things, and I know we could talk for hours on sovereign citizens, but. Uh, you know, I, I just wanted to say again, Miko, that I, I think that the point and that I was trying to get out of that is what you stated is that, and Adam stated, is that you, you're not getting censored in, in that aspect. No, not talking, at all. When you're talking about people that are being critical of government and 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 and, uh, and, 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 and when you're the one defending essentially government against people that are admittedly out there being wacky in their beliefs, bloody thumbprints, I mean, scamming people in CPS. It's not just that. By allowing that coverage, the overall perception of anti-government everybody is being distorted to be, let, let's assume everybody's like the fringe outliers, right? If you censor stories about every other group, but then you look at the sovereign citizens and say, oh, we're not going to censor anything critical about them, well, then everybody assumes that everybody who identifies as anything having to do with sovereign citizen or anti-government or libertarian anything is just like those people. Well, and I think that's where it's our responsibility. Um, and also, like, where I was going that with that, though, uh, CJ, like, it's not CPS targeted. It's anywhere that they can scam somebody that's been affected by the law. So, Makes sense to me. Thanks for asking my question, though, Miko. I definitely appreciate it, and I know there's yeah. a few good ones in the comments here. So um, I'll get back to it. But with with the uh, CPS or CPS, the sovereign part and covering it, that's our responsibility because there are dangers of that group. Like if you if you listen to a sovereign on your CPS case, you're going to lose your fucking kid. You're never going to see your child again. Um, I believe if that's an area that you want to cover. It's your responsibility to let people know and give them this warning, but also at the same time to be very specific. Like when it comes to my sovereign kiddos, I focus on specific people and point out where they're wrong and use their terminology. Because um, if you don't, then that's where that problem is created, that it's easy to lump other people into it. If you're very specific, it's like, nah, no, 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 I wasn't talking about constitutionalists. I wasn't talking about militias. I was talking about this group of six fucking lunatics that are ripping people off. So it's just that responsibility of being very uh, direct with who you're bashing and shitting on. That's a good point. Uh, we got uh, no time for one more question probably from Periscope, Fester Fink, and it's addressed for Adam and Miko. Do you think... Headline media is the future. It's the now. Yeah, but I think yeah, they're saying like next level to where even like I mean I guess it would it would imply some sort of fact checking base, you know, and we I, all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with Miko here. It is. It's not the future. It's the present, and in the present, driven by Twitter, especially. It's being done in a very negative way. But I think in the future, it'll be in a much more positive way, like an honest version of the Drudge Report, where you're able to survey the world's news very efficiently, very effectively, and zoom in on what you want. And you'll be able to find a headline aggregator where the headlines aren't deceptive. Unfortunately, 
the market demand for honest journalism isn't there yet. But we're working on it, right, Miko? Well, and man, <laughs> that that is just a uh, that's such a shitty subject. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just it kills, you know, like. Especially, and that's why I'm actually at the moment, I'm debating on even doing any more articles and just focusing on video for a while and then go from there. But it it just hurts because, I mean, you put so much time and work and source checking into, like, the 2,400-word article and then, like, people just, you can tell. I've had people in, and I think it actually was, like, a 2,400-word article I posted it, and within two minutes, not even two minutes, somebody commented saying that that was fake. And it was like, there's no way that you read that. Like, you you literally did not read that. And then it turned out that the argument they used actually was in, like, the third paragraph of the article. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But also, it's America. Look at us. Look at how we live. Look at TV. We're constantly, things are just flashing in your face. Look at Fox News. There's fucking warnings here. There's all this shit. There's blips. We live off blips. Facebook, you're just scrolling through. Twitter, you're scrolling through. We date now by scrolling through. I mean, it's, we, our, our attention span is being beat into the fucking ground ruthlessly. That's no for that's not the fault of the people either. I mean there's so many different things that are forcing this the shortening of the attention span. You can't even be mad at people about it. It just fucking sucks. And we have to learn to adapt to it. Yeah, well we are adapting. I'm a little more optimistic. I still can step back and go, "Hey, you and me having this conversation like this is huge progress compared to just 40 years ago when it would be us bullshitting at the water cooler, and that's as far as these kinds of counter-mainstream conversations I agree. go. I agree. So, I mean, so, hey, there's, there's goods and bads. Yeah, so well, I, 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 I cling to faith in the words of Martin Luther King Jr., that the arc of history bends towards justice. And even without his words, my own analysis tells me that humanity progresses, that we dance forward, two steps forward, one step backwards sometimes, but that humanity progresses and technology is fundamentally empowering. Now, Miko, this has been a lot of fun. I really do appreciate your time today. I hope we can get you on for a panel. I think in a couple of weeks we'll we'll do this again, get into this topic with a few more journalists who have been oh, yeah. censored. But I want to give you the welcome. chance. To... You're welcome to uh, pop over on mine. Yes, yeah, let's do that. I, I just started doing. I just started doing interviews and shit. I just had Vermin on the other week. Nice. Yeah, hey, I got yourself from Marcus. You you get texts there. Yeah, yeah, that's the stuff. All right, we'll we'll just set it up like that. But hey. For everything we've covered today, Miko, please take the final word to sum it up and let people know how they can support you. Um, honestly, you know, I, I suck at, uh, I suck at, uh, uh, promoting myself. Uh, you can do way better than supporting me and you can support everybody by doing like what I said earlier, just fact checking. Um, don't just run with information. 
if you do have a journalist, uh, hell, if you have a, a video game streamer, if you like what they do, throw them five bucks every now and again. It's the same as seeing a movie. Pay the same cost as a movie ticket if you even receive entertainment from it because we really are hitting a point where uh, crowdfunding is becoming a bigger source than ever. That's why you got places like The Guardian and shit like that still doing their crowdfunding. Mm. Um, we're being stomped out as far as monetization goes and a lot of and a lot of <laughs> uh, major platforms, so I don't know. If you appreciate them, just show that you appreciate it. Help the work go. If you can't afford five bucks, share it out for the person. If uh, Besides that, yeah, man, my biggest thing right now is fact-checking. Um, I don't even know if you to show the site, because like I said, I'm, I haven't really done many articles recently, and I don't know... Like I said, I might take a break for a minute to just focus on video and get my software experience up and shit. I don't know. Well, it's a great point. The one I try to end interviews with when I get on other people's platforms to say that this technology means nothing without an active and engaged audience. And so if you like Miko's perspective, please go to discussglobal.com. You can find them on Twitter, YouTube, whatever it is. All the, all the links are there. And you can even, if you just hop over on Facebook, you can tell me you like me, hate me. We can argue. I like to argue on my Facebook. And it's just Miko Hayes on Facebook. That's the best place you're going to get a response from me. Like like I said, YouTube, I'm not ever going to read my comments if I'm not live. All you can burn in hell for all I care. <laughs> but... But, no, I do appreciate all the supporters I have and everything. Yeah, Facebook is probably uh, just my profile. Because I, I, I do have a Miko Hayes page, too, and a Discuss page. But, honestly, it was going to be such a fucking hassle. I'm just using my Miko Hayes profile now for a lot of shit. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, brother. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. Everybody's as optimistic as I am about the potential in independent journalism. Well, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, 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 a scared and jaded prick here. So, I do still have some positive. Like, there's a little bit of positive attitude. I don't mean to come off as completely negative, but that's typically where my mindset is. <laughs> we persist. Anyway, it's been an awesome show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm just gonna sign off right from here. I don't think we, we, we normally do good news. If you want to check it out, goodnewsnetwork.org for a fun perspective. But with all that being said, mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.